The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Put your hands together for God one more time. All right, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read from the New International Version. Are you ready? He came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for all the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Everybody say they grew daily. They grew daily in numbers. Verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing, begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia and concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you did in the first service, now in the second service this morning and the moments that remain. I pray and ask that you would take a coal from your altar that as I preach, as I speak, It would burn faith in the hearts of those that hear. Come and write upon the fleshly tablets of our heart that we might never be the same. I believe it's a timely word. I believe it's a now word. I thank you for all that you're going to do, all that you've done already. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And we do have notes for you, which I believe are also available on version. If you'll go to version and click the live events at the main menu, you type in the name of the church and you can just click on and follow along and so you can see that. You get those notes right there and all the scriptures that are attached. Greetings to our online congregation. We're so blessed. And for those that are here, even listening by podcast. Praise God, you can be here when you can't be, but if you could be, you should be. Somebody say amen. I had uh, been brought to my remembrance in the first part of February that, that February was, uh, was Black American History Month. How many of you know that? And, um, and then we got busy in the prophetic conference, and I, and I forgot. And what reminded me of that was the Lord uh, spoke to me very clearly. I heard, I have a dream. Does that sound familiar? I have a dream. And I knew it was the voice of the Lord. I've discerned his voice and I knew he was speaking to me and I knew what he was saying and the famous speech on August 28th 1963 Martin Luther King 
speaking there, said, I have a dream. Today, as we read in Acts 16, we saw a plan unfold for the Apostle Paul. And when you look at the Apostle Paul's life, you can't get away from the fact that God had this plan for him. In fact, we see it in Acts 22. We see it in Acts 26. And every time he tells his testimony to Agrippa and other places, that God had this great dream for him. I want you to say, God has a dream for me. Say that. God has a dream for me. And I just hear that echoed even from heaven right now. I have a dream. And God has a dream for you individually. But God has a dream for us corporately. God has a dream for his people. God has a dream for the earth. God has a plan. God has a dream for our lives. I remember when I first gave my heart to Jesus shortly thereafter, being in a service. This prophet has stood me up and said, this man, pointing to me, I was partially brain damaged. I'm really... He said, God has a great plan for you. And she gave me that famous scripture that many of you know, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I ha have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I, I began to have just faith swell in my heart, even in that broken state so many years ago that God could abuse the likes of me, that God had a plan for me. Come on, say God has a plan for me. Come on, say God has a dream for me. The Apostle Paul is an example of how God will take somebody and use him to change the world. God speaks to the Apostle Paul as he's on the road to Damascus and uh, he's carrying letters from the high priest to, to bring judgment basically upon those that are of the way, the church first century believers. A, a light shines round about him. He's brought to the ground and God speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Which is always fascinating because, you know, he's gone out to kill believers in all these different areas. He was there giving his nod to the first martyr, Stephen, with cloaks being laid, coats being laid at his feet. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what's interesting is Saul is persecuting God's people, but Jesus says to him, we later find out, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. That literally the persecution of God's people all around the land is really the persecution of the Lord. Why are you persecuting me? That which is taking place with ISIS and killing the little, the un, the, the little children and the, the atrocities that are taking place is nothing new. There's been many, it's, 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 it's horrible and it's horrific and it's even unthinkable in this day and age. But we're definitely in a holy war, don't kid yourself. We're in a holy war. I don't wanna so much talk about that at this juncture. But the same is true back in the, in the Apostle Paul's age, his name was Saul at that point. And God says, you know, go to Damascus. He's led by the hand, he's blind. He's led to Damascus, and Saul, uh, God speaks to this man, Ananias. He's never heard about him before this point, and we never hear about him after. And Ananias goes by the word of the Lord and comes to this man, Saul, who later gets a name change, and he prays for him and confirms his call. In fact, if you read Acts 26, his testimony is told in a number of different places, but in Acts 26, verse 16... Here's what God says to Saul, who later becomes Paul. Now get up and stand on your feet. 
I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. It says, I'm going to get up on your feet. I'm going to use you. You're going to be a witness. You're going to talk about what, what you've seen of me. And you're going to talk about stuff I didn't even show you yet. And he, and he goes in verse 17, he says, I'll rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to, listen to verse 18, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. When somebody gets saved, it's not just like this cute little religious thing. Literally, they're being turned from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Amen. And from the power of Satan to God. How many of you know Satan has power? God has power too. In fact, it's not like two little, you know, face. That's Zoroastrianism for all of you scholars out there. Satan is like an ant. He's a created thing. One day he's going to be uncreated. He's like an ant. God's like the boot. You understand? It's like, it's not even in the same game. One day he's going to be uncreated by one angel, not a band of angels. One angel with a chain going to be thrown around him and he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Come on. He's a tool. He's, it's not like this big show off fight thing. Oh, God, we need to pray for God. No, no, he's, he's, he's doing fine. And as we look at this text, we see this plan, this dream that God has for Paul begins to unfold. So let's look at your notes if you have those. He establishes churches in Galatia and Phrygia. He started a number of churches in Derby, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. And you can look on the back of your Bible if you've got one of those maps or you can Google it and go check it out. And you can see the, the, the different missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. They decided to do more for God as he goes on a second missionary journey. And he, he goes and, uh, and he wants to go north to Galatia, but the Spirit of God says no. The Spirit of Jesus, I love it, says the Spirit of Jesus says no. He wanted to go to Asia. Now, that's not Asia as we know it. It's Ephesus is where he wanted to go. And God says, no. He said, but didn't Paul go to Ephesus? Oh, he did. But he didn't go at that time. So God says no to the apostle Paul's plans. Let me just tell you that God has three answers for you. No matter what you're praying for, there's three answers. Yes. No. Wait. Wait. Day is like a thousand years. Thousand years like a day. Amen. And for some of you, he's saying, I'll be there in just a second. You do the math on that. He says, yes, no. And he says, he says, wait. And God called the apostle Paul to Macedonia. So he's not sure where to go. And he has this vision of this Macedonian man. And they conclude, he says that they, he get ready immediately and they go to Macedonia. If you're going to fulfill the dream, if I'm going to fulfill the dream, the plan that God has for my life, if you're going to fulfill the dream, the plan that God has for your life, if we're going to fulfill the dream and the plans, the visions that God has for us, there are some very clear principles that you'll find in the Word of God that if you, if you miss them, you will not fulfill the dream. You will not see the plan come about. As much as God wants that to happen for you, you have to will to will the will of God. Say that. I will to will the will of God. You have to desire it. It's just not going to happen, son. It's just not going to happen. Poof. And you have a cloud and everything comes about. You have to contend for it. You have to fight for it. Come on. The, you, the, the, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You have to get a hold of the promises of God and begin to yield it, wield it like a sword and just hack away every obstacle and move forward in the destiny and plan of God. I mean, there's an enemy. 
There's the world, the flesh, your devil. Those are the three, the three enemies that God has. God has a plan. I have a dream, I heard the Lord say. And I knew what it meant. I have a dream, and I knew he meant that for me, and I'm living it. And he said, I have a dream, and I knew what it meant. He was talking to the church, I have a dream. Come on, someone say, I have a dream. Principles on how to see the fulfillment of God's dream for your life. The first thing is, uh, you've got to yield to God. Everybody say yield. Yield. Okay, large Mack truck coming down the highway. You're coming on the on-ramp. Tap the brakes, pump your brakes, and let the truck go. Yeah, that's yielding to the big truck. God's bigger than a truck. (laughs) Got to yield. If you never yield, you never give your life to him, you never submit to him, then you're never going to see his plan come about. Jesus is not just some little religious figure who you're supposed to fear. I'd never really serve. There's lots of people that fear Jesus, but they never really serve, never really walk with him. Never, they don't really understand that he's, he's a friend. Anybody a friend of God today? You're a friend of God. You've got to get a hold of that. He's not some loving slave owner that wants to whip you into submission. He wants to co-labor with you. He's not trying to take something from you except for your sin and that which will hurt you. He's trying to partner with you to, to, to release the kingdom of God on the earth. Can you say amen? So if you're going to fulfill his plan, if I'm going to fulfill his plan, the dream, we're going to have to submit to God. That's the first thing. Got to give your life to Jesus. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to, you know, move forward in his plan if you're not yielded to him. When I got saved, I I got a job at the Kihei Cafe many years ago. You see, I got fired. Uh, It's the only job that I can remember getting fired from. I never got fired before I was saved. Now I get saved and I get fired. And it was like the Lord was talking to me through it. And why I got fired was, um, I mean, I was a hard worker. I'd show up on time, all of that. But this guy, Dave Lentz, bless him, he, uh, it was his cafe, and he had a certain way of making sandwiches. And so he taught me how to make sandwiches, you know, the Kihei Cafe sandwich. Okay, so you do this, you do that, a certain portion of meat, lettuce, tomatoes, you cut it a certain way, you put it on a plate, there's a pickle, there's a whole garnish, there's a whole thing. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you like sandwiches? Amen. The bread's got to be good, though. You can have all the great ingredients. If the bread's no good, skip it. Praise God. Might as well just have like a chef salad or something, because if the bread's no good, forget it. How many of you like bread? Great, all four of you. You lie. Amen. Praise God. There's a reason that Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I think God likes bread too. Praise God. House of bread, Bethlehem, on and on. You see bread everywhere. I want bread. I think I'm hungry. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so I, I, I would try to make the sandwich. And, uh, you know, I just didn't like the way that Dave wanted me to make the sandwich. I thought it wasn't the best way. I was convinced it wasn't the best way. So he taught me, he showed me, he modeled it for me, he watched me make a few sandwiches, and then in the course of time, I felt that the best way to make a sandwich is the way that I wanted to make it. So I began to make sandwiches in the superior way, which is my way. Right? Yeah, but Dave wasn't down for my way. And so he corrected me a number of times, but I was trying to help him. I had a submission problem. I had a problem of yielding, which ended when he said, you know what, dude, you're fired. I said, what? I'm a Christian now. How can you fire me? Yeah, I needed to be fired. I was totally unsubmitted. I wasn't yielded. I wasn't doing what the boss wanted to. Some of you are wondering why the plan's not happening. Oh, God, why aren't you bringing out the plan for me? Yeah, because you're not yielded. Okay, look at your neighbor. Say, he ain't talking to you. Come on. (laughs) Understand, the second principle is understand... 
understand that God's ways are not yours. There's a whole lot of scripture about that. Romans chapter 11, 33. Oh, the depths of riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Or Isaiah 55, if you want to put that up, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than yours. God is an awesome God. Everybody say it. God is an awesome God. You and I have a finite mind. You in no way could even figure out how planets don't crash into each other. He knows all the stars by name. Oh, I know the scientists have said that some of them are gone. They just don't know where they are. He knows where they are. He knows every hair on your head. I was watching the video that our media team put together before the announcements. Maybe some of you saw that. It talked about how many hairs on the human body. It's like 2.5 million or some crazy number. And I thought, I don't have that many. I'm missing some of those. Amen. But, but to God, they're not missing. He's an awesome God. And in fact, in Psalm 8, let me read it to you. I just, Psalm 8 is one of my favorite Psalms. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who have set your glory above the heavens and out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained your praise because of your enemies, so that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. With a baby, he silences the enemy and the avenger with a child. That's God. And he goes on to say in verse 3, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast set in place. What is man but thou, man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that you would care for him. You set him a little bit below the angels, yet you've crowned him with glory and honor, and you've given him, New King James, given him dominion over the works of your hands. You are significant. You are special. You are made in the very image of God. And the devil comes to try to rob you, tries to bring about identity theft. So that you don't know who you are. So that you're lost. But God has a plan. And you get to his plan. One, these principles, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta yield. Two, know that his ways are higher than your ways. There is no possible way of understanding all that God is going to do. In fact, the Bible says he will do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or think. I mean, I can think of some big things. Can anybody else? Yeah. Well, it's bigger than that. You can't imagine what God wants to do with your life. You can't imagine how vast the plan is. I've told my children, trying to give them a worldview because... If you don't understand that there's life outside Wasilla, life outside Alaska, then you're confused. And you can, watch the, you can watch the news, but really, it's like looking at life through a straw. I mean, just go like this. Everybody go like this. Okay, go ahead and look through it. Okay, that's how we see. There's so much out here that you don't see. God wants to give you vision. God wants to open your eyes, but his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If you never yield to him, you'll never have it. You've got to understand that his ways are not your ways. And we're like, we're like Moses. You know, God, God's plan is you. His plan is to use you, to use me. Do you know that God has placed us and the rest of the body of Christ 
And our God-given blood-bought right to overturn this city for Christ. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And I'm playing some stupid little religious game to come to try to ease our conscience. We've been placed here in this time, in this season, in this hour in history to literally walk out a dream that God has for us. And we forget that sometimes. Moses had no idea as he stood by that burning bush. I mean, he saw the burning bush. It was like, whoa, bush is burning, but it's not consumed. God speaks to him and says, I've heard the cries of my people. The prophecy had come to fulfillment 400 years is basically over. I've heard their cries. I've seen their taskmasters and I've come in response to them. Moses, I'm sending you. And Moses was reluctant. And I know many of us feel like that. We don't have the gifts. We don't have the talent. We don't have what we need. We don't have the treasure. We don't, we don't have it. And Moses said, man, I, I can't talk. I and mean, he comes up with all kinds of excuses. And God says, I'm sending you. Here's a stick. In fact, Moses already had something in his hand, which is, which is remarkable to me. I found that God will use people that have something in their hand. Sometimes you're looking for something that you don't have. I'm going to tell you, you already have it. The miracle is already in the house. He says, see the stick? Just, I mean, he could use anything. Throw that piece of lint down. He throws, a, you might get that later. He throws the stick down and becomes this, this rod of God. And he goes, reluctantly scared. He can't talk. He doesn't feel like he has it. And God uses a Moses to deliver his people. And he brings them to Mount Horeb into the bond of covenant, which was the purpose for their deliverance. He speaks, he acts, he speaks again. He does that over and over through history. He'll take a Joshua. And he'll take Joshua and he'll raise him up. Joshua, the son of Nun, was a, was a Moses aide. And Moses would go to the tabernacle and, and the cloud would descend, a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And Joshua would attend to him and help him. And soon you read Deuteronomy in different places, you see that Moses would leave, but Joshua would stay. And I think the cloud began to stay too. Joshua was of a different breed, a different sort. I believe that God's raising up Joshua's. I believe God's raising up Caleb's. They went into the spot to spy out the land, and God did it to encourage them to check out the gigantic grapes and all the things that God had for them. Ten came back with a bad report. Ten and two came back with a good report, Caleb and Joshua. Whenever God wants to deliver his people, he raises up a Moses. He raises up somebody. Whenever God wants somebody to cross over the Jordan, he'll raise up a Joshua. He'll raise up people. You are his plan. You're his his plan. You're part of his plan. But his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Who would think God would take a Moses to, to to wipe out, basically, Egypt with a stick, and then millennium later would take his son Jesus and wipe out the devil with two sticks? Kind of amazing. Come on, somebody say his ways are higher than my ways. It may not make sense from your perspective. (laughs) I've discovered that I'm really not all that smart, so I just try to trust him because I really don't know that much. I need as much help. Does anybody need a lot of help besides me? I need a lot of help. I mean, I need like extra, extra, extra help. And I said uh, in the other service, I'll say, now reason is the guillotine of your faith. If you, if you begin to reason what God's told you to do, you'll cut off faith. It doesn't make sense sometimes. Who would think that God would send his one and only son so that you and I could be free? Crazy. No. God. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Don't get stuck. Look at your notes with me. Don't, don't get stuck. You can get stuck by being traditional and religious. 
by being what? Traditional and religious. On Wednesday night, we had, uh, we had a powerful service Wednesday night. And uh, one of the brothers was witnessing. And he led this lady to the Lord at Cars. And uh, he told me the testimony. I said, dude, I'm going to call on you tonight. You got to share that. And he shared about how he went to cars and he went, he was telling people about the love of God. And I think that won a number of people to Christ. And he just wanted to do one more. He felt like, man, God, give me one more. And he saw this lady and he thought, oh, that's her. And he went up and he began to tell her about the love of God. And she just, you know, began to weep and talked about how she hadn't been to car in, in two years. She just came to check out meat prices and she gave her heart to Jesus and he prayed for her and she got mightily touched by God. Well, he's testifying about that in the Wednesday service and I'm preaching on how God wants to reveal his glory to us. And one of the ways that God does that is, is through us, that you are an expression of the glory of God to people. And I talked about how, how God using this brother to share the good news of Jesus crucified and resurrected. And if you believe on him and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you'll be saved. How he did that, it was a release of God's glory to this precious uh, young woman. And she got saved. Well, I turn back as I'm sharing that and I see this other person now sitting next to them and I realize, huh? And she goes, it's me, it's me. So she's now in church. She came in a little bit late, snuck in. I had her stand up and she shared her testimony, which was just amazing, how she cried out to God and how God sent this young man to witness to her. Now she's in church. We laid hands on her, prophesied over her, the power of God hit her. I think she was praying in tongues as she hit the floor. Okay, that testimony touched so many people in the congregation. That, that, and, and I know that because I got text. I was talked to. People told me. They were like, man, I was some service pastor. Yeah. But do you know something? That would never happen if I was stuck in some dead pharisaical religion with a lack of, an, uh, with a lack of uh, desire or an openness. I mean, you don't usually give somebody the mic who just comes into church because they could drop F-bombs. I mean, who knows what they're going to do? And be like, oh, eh. I mean, who knows? It's raw. You know, it's like, but it was God. And God touched that precious lady. And God touched people. If you were here, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And it was like, bam. You could miss God's power in your life if you're stuck by being traditional and religious. I've been in services where the power of God's come down in an unprecedented manner. And I'm not saying that to try to exaggerate. I'm talking, there was hardly anybody standing. It wasn't really anybody preaching. It wasn't about the guy up on the pulpit. It wasn't about the great song that was sung by some worship leader. It was about the greatness of God. He filled that place. It was the glory of the Lord. And it was, it was like nobody could stand. There was people weeping and people crying. And there are those in those moments that just like, just like the, the Jesus is there on the cross, there's two thieves to either side, one perceived that he's the son of God and says, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And the other guy says, hey man, if you're God, why don't you pull yourself down? Two, I mean, they're right next to the son of God, both of them. One goes straight to hell and the other one goes straight to heaven. And I have found this in life. This, that, there, that God desires to release his plan, to release his purpose in our lives. And if you don't partner with him, if you don't come under the spout where the glory comes out, if you allow for your mind to shut up and shut down the anointing and you fold your arms and you just go, well, I don't know about that. God, if you knew where I am, then you could just come and touch me yourself then. Yeah, you could just step over you. He's not obligated to touch you. <laughs> He's not obligated to use you to fulfill his plan. Look, 
It's like the Lord would stand before us this day with his sword drawn like in the day of Joshua. In fact, I can see it even now. And he says, are you for me or against me is what Joshua said. And the Lord said, no. That is exactly what God would say to us. God has a plan to bring down the Jericho. God has a plan to cause the walls to fall flat. God has a great dream to see revival break out all across the valley, all across the state, to see children dancing free, to see marriages healed, to see people set on fire. He has a dream to see people healed and whole and delivered from drug addiction and from methamphetamines, to delivered, be delivered from heroin and injecting drugs and smoking pot. I don't care if they legalized it God didn't and I'll be preaching on that soon it doesn't matter what they legalize you have to look in the word if it's allowed and God has a dream of that and that will come about as we just enter in God is going to do some new things he stands before us and says the Lord of hosts and and it's like you got to bow down he says he's not in your pocket you got to be in his really in his heart. Are you for me or against me? Joshua said, he said, no. But as the captain of the Lord of hosts, I have now come. And I believe that it's like that. That is the way the Lord has come to us today. He's now come. He stands before you. You choose whether you want his dream or you don't. Don't get stuck by being traditional. Listen, you might have it wrong. Hey, the apostle Paul, you know, he was an on fire believer. He didn't believe in Jesus, but he was on fire. He believed in the same God that we believe in. He believed in hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. The apostle Paul, Saul, before he became the apostle Paul, Saul was a persecutor of, of, this, of this, what he sought to be a, a schism, a cult. Oh, but everything changed for him when God appeared to him and said, hey, yo, I'm, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Oh, oops. Oh yeah, Isaiah 53. Can you imagine all the scriptures going through this guy's mind? And he memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew all the, he knew all the mess, messianic scriptures and that which was talked about about Messiah. He knew all them all. And when Jesus spoke to him, he had to just freak out. Oh, it really is a Messiah. You can be dead right and dead wrong. Don't get stuck by being traditional and religious. Don't get stuck by being a flake. I'm back in the notes. By being a what? A flake. One of the things I've noticed over this last week is that those who are engaged, those who are, those who are plugged in, and I'm sure God's doing other things outside of that, I'm, no doubt. But I've noticed the unprecedented release of favor and miracles are for those who have been committed here. And it might be that I'm, 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 those are the only testimonies I'm hearing. I mean, maybe that's true. But you will miss God's plan for you if you're, if you're a flake. Very good. I'm going over here. I'll go over here. I've seen people that are flakes. They just have, it, it's the curse of marrows. You never heard of that, did you? In the book of Judges, Deborah says, Village life ceased until I, Deborah, arose. She began to prophesy, and she prophesied deliverance. And, and that God would do this great thing. And the song of Deborah afterwards, and it's in Judges somewhere, be a good Berean and go look it up. The song of Deborah afterwards, it has this little encrypted line that says, and cursed Meroz, who would not come to the help of the mighty, or something like that. There's this group of people called Meroz, a clan, and they did not get involved in the battle. 
And as a result of their lack of commitment, it says in the song that they were cursed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. But you've got to yield to him. And you've got to realize his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck by being, by being religious. Don't get stuck by being stuck in tradition, by being a Pharisee. Understand that God can do a new thing. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your thoughts. And don't get stuck by being a flake. Uh, okay, uh, oh, you were in the military. You're in the military now, sir. Can I interview you? Would you come here? Uh, tell me uh, what branch of the military you're in. Army, U.S. Army. And uh, what? Praise God. And and uh, what what uh, rank are you? I'm a CW two warrant officer. A CW two warrant officer. How long have you been in the United States Army? Twenty one years. Sir, can you tell me what would happen if I did not respond to, I don't know, would it be revelry or, or uh, is that what it's called? What, what would happen if I just stayed in my bunk? You would probably get in trouble. Okay, what happens? Okay, you get in trouble. What does that trouble look like? Uh, we call it UCMJ Actions, which is probably Article 15. All right. Uh, and so I'm to be trained by the, the UCMJ Actions, the R15s or whatever. Okay, what if I'm not trained by it and I do it again? you probably get kicked out. Oh, you get kicked out. What is that called? That's called kicked out. Court martial. <laughs> dishonorable discharge, yes, sir. Okay, so it's called a court martial, a dishonorable discharge. Thank you. I just wanted to make sure about that. What would happen if you're, when you're married, you're not faithful? What would happen? What do you think would happen if you're not faithful to your wife, to your husband? What do you think? How do you think that'd go for are you in your marriage? How, how do you think that'd work out? Do you think you'd be married for long? Anybody? Anybody think you'd be married for long? How about you just decided to just be with a whole bunch of other people besides your husband or besides your wife? How do you think that would work out for your marriage? Would that be good or bad? Good. Do you think you would remain married to any sane person? No. No. What would happen if uh, you are part of a university and you're studying and you just decide not to turn in your assignments anymore? And and how how do you think your grades would fare? Probably not so good. And what would happen over a course of time you just decided not to go to class? Since pot was legalized, you'll start smoking dope and you start forgetting all your information. You stop, you forget to go to class. <laughs> Somebody said this to me, it's too funny. I'm going to take a little quick rabbit trail. How would it be the pot smoker, you know, can you imagine the judge just taking a couple bong loads and then come and judging your case? How would that be? Would that be great for you? Would that be all right for you if he just come and get a little high and then, you know, hey, what? It's just, you know, it's no big deal, really. It's legal, right? I'm going to judge your, judge your case after a couple hits from the snake. No thanks. Might have stepped on a nerve right there. I'm fixing to get on your other one. Hold on. So, so what would happen? What would happen for, for the one who's not committed to school? Well, you're going to get kicked out. What happens if you don't show up to work on time? You get fired. What happens if you don't make the sandwich right? You get fired. What happens if you... What is it? DCMJ... UCMJK49. Amen. You get punted, man. It's over. Some of you just think you can just, just go to church and just every so often read your Bible, but not really engaged in the battle. No civilian. You've got to count. Listen, there, there, there's, there's a war on. I forget what that scripture is. It's really good. I wish I could remember right now. Something civilian affairs or what is that? Come on, help me out, mama. Praise the Lord. Yeah, no soldier or something or other. No soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, and I'm paraphrasing. The point is this. 
If you're flighty and you're flaky and you serve God part-time, you will not see God's plan come about for you all. He mercifully tried to bring you in and lovingly send one of our connect people to call you and hopefully we get you to come to church or get you involved and get you serving. And I know we're not the only church, praise God, he's got the body of Christ and we're thankful. But you can't be a flake and see the plan of God brought about. It simply won't happen. Some people say, well, how come he's got all the favor? How come he's so blessed? Well, maybe he's, you know, God loves everybody the same. How many of you know that? Yeah, but certain people walk in greater favor. Certain people seem to get more done for God. Why is that? Well, he has, he has intimate ones. They're, they're not more favored than you. I mean, in other words, they're not more loved than you, but because they've paid a price to push aside the things of the flesh, the world, time, and tradition, then God, God has, a, has a way of using somebody he trusts. Very good. I'm glad you guys are encouraged. Come on, somebody say, don't be flighty. Somebody say, don't be a flake. There's lots of fruit, nuts, and flakes in churches. I don't care if you can pray in tongues. I hope you can. I don't care if you can sling oil. How's your character? How's your integrity? Do you stand up under pressure or do you fold like a deck of cards and just cave in? What do you do in the dark? (sighs) That's the level of Christianity you have. Praise the Lord. What you do in the dark is the level of spirituality you have. You should see what I'm looking at right now. You'd be like, oh, snap. Move on. All right, we'll move on. Don't be bound by your ego. We can get so caught up in ourselves that we're afraid of taking a chance and maybe we'll fail. Yeah, you might fail, but you might not. I love what that one uh, preacher said, you know, do it afraid. Joyce Meyer says, do it afraid. We're talking about seeing the dream of God come about. I've got to hurry up. Some, some don't fulfill what God's got for them because they're flighty, because they're flakes, because they, they're bound by their ego, or maybe they just don't do anything. I've known people that just don't do anything. God's dream is progressive. Everybody say progressive, apostolic, vision. Try it again. Progressive, apostolic, vision. That is what you were part of. That's who we are. We had a vision to reach three different extensions years ago. Now we're trying to reach 120. Believe me, we weren't looking at 120, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Why? Because it just continued to grow. If you're faithful in the little things, he makes you ruler over much. And you will find, if you'll be faithful in what God's given you, and you'll be loyal, then he'll expand that for you. Some people have a Disney view of getting things done. They just think like, you know... They're just going to rub some little lamp and boink, and then, and then and they, you know, get to be doing the dream. And no, it comes through hard work and little and small. I, I know I don't, I don't like little and small. You know, I knew, I, I knew, at least I thought I did. I said, Lord, you can trust me with big and giant right away. Yeah, yeah no. That's not how it works. And no, he can't. You think he can't. You think you can be trusted, but you can't. And that's why he does it with small. Am I getting through to anybody? Something like, I don't like small and little. Yeah, but the Lord does do it that way because he grows and he expands you to be, gives you a bigger capacity. Some of you, if you've got the millions right now, you'd go kill yourself. You'd just go blow up all over the place. Lord, release the millions for me. You can't be faithful with the $1,000 that you got. Why would God, you know, and if you did get the million, it's probably not God, it's probably the devil. 
Hello? Man, I'm, we're having fun this morning. All right. Learn to tithe. Be faithful with what God's given you. Be faithful in the little things. It makes you ruler over much. And by the way, it's not just in this age. It's in the age to come. We're living for another age. We're living for the age. This is a test. This is training. This is, this is an internship, as we've said before. And God will reveal his plan in stages as we're ready for it. I, I, I thought that I was ready for a certain stage of the plan of God. And I wasn't. And boy, did I get disappointed when it didn't come through. I thought I should be the next youth pastor years ago. And God's wisdom, I was blocked from that. As I look back, I think we would have crashed and burned. I had issues in me that just weren't, I wasn't, wasn't ready. Listen, some of you think you should be somewhere where you're not. If you're supposed to be there, you would be. Whoa, when a tree falls in the forest, there it lies. <laughs> Come on, understand that God's the supreme strategist. And as we obey moment by moment, year by year, day, day by day, month by month, year by year, then you'll find that vision is progressive. It continues to expand. Secondly, as we review what happened to the Apostle Paul, you'll see that, he's, that he goes out faithfully. He wants to go to Asia, which is Ephesus area. He's blocked by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't let him. And then he gives him a vision of the Macedonian man. Raise your hand if you're with me. You understand what's happening. So then he follows the vision of the Macedonian man, and he does this other tour. Well, it's on that tour that he goes to Corinth. It's on that tour that he goes to, uh, um, to Philippi. It's on that tour that he does this divinely led, orchestrated, Holy Spirit team gathering thing. Because he gets Priscilla and Aquila, and if it was not for Priscilla and Aquila, boy, he just wouldn't be able to get done what he got done. And then he, he gets the Church of Philippi started, and the Church of Philippi, the one that actually was a financial base to be able to support him to have the greatest revival in Ephesus. He wanted to have that revival before that, but he was not ready. You've got to trust God's plan that he'll bring you right where you need to be, and he can bring you full circle. And when, the, when it fully came... The timing was right, and Ephesus popped out. I mean, it was just an amazing thing. But if it wasn't for the Church of Philippi and for the team that he put together, his apostolic team, it wouldn't have happened. Timing is everything. Say it with me. Timing is everything. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. So if you look again, look at your notes. Why does God let the Apostle Paul go to Asia? Because Ephesus was in Asia, and it's the greatest revival there. God's plan is to build relationships which will fulfill his dream for you. Now, some of you didn't get that, and I'm going to say it again. God's plan is to release relationships to you. Is that Jesus? Oh. God's plan is, is to give you relationships to fulfill the dream. You see, if you have a dream that can be fulfilled on your own power, it's not God's, it's yours. If you have a dream that can be fulfilled under your own steam, your own efforts, that dream is not God's. That's something that you've created in your own mind. And as good as it might be, God's dream, God's plan for you, utilizes relationships in other people. It always does. Moses needed a Joshua. Moses needed the 70 or the 72, depending upon what text you study. Moses needed elders. Moses needed leaders. Moses needed people. Joshua had his leaders. Jesus had his 12. There, 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 no man is an island. You heard that? No, no one can fulfill the dream all by themselves. Would you please?
Yeah, I'm so thankful for the team that God is uh, assembling and he's going to bring more. And uh, thankful for Wyatt, you know, just sending off another one. We're like an aircraft carrier. We just, they come in, send off another one, just constantly launching. We're launching attacks. Amen. It's great. Some of you are on the platform. Amen. Some of you aren't on the boat yet, but stick around. Get on the boat. Don't be flighty. Come on, somebody say amen. Be committed to the curse of Meros. Years ago, I was on the island of Molokai, and I hope you didn't mind I shared that, Pastor Alex. Uh, years ago, I was on the island of Molokai, and uh, prior to us moving there, I met a man, his name was Steve, and uh, we became friends. He was, uh, he was a real pillar in the church, and a uh, successful business guy, a builder, and, and, and a friend. He was the best friend of Pastor Brian Reynolds, and, and he became a friend of mine. And he would, he would put his hand on my back and encourage me from time to time. I mean, I'd have somebody patting me on the back and say, hey man, God's going to use you. And I'd look, and it would be Steve. And he would give me money every so often, and he'd just be happy to hand me, hand me a couple bucks when I didn't have nothing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He was sensitive like that. He was a real father. And, and we got closer, and we'd go for coffee occasionally. And, and um, I moved to Molokai, and I'll never forget him calling and say, hey, man, I'm going to fly over there on my plane. I just want to come and see the island and, and uh, maybe help you look for a house. So we were going to buy a house there. And so he came in a small aircraft, and we drove around, and we found a house that was in foreclosure. You remember that? I, re- I remember him. I remember him jumped up on a – we're standing by a telephone pole. And we're looking at it. He says, man, the view, I can't quite see the view. I think you're going to have an awesome view. You should put a second story. He grabs his telephone pole and shimmies up the telephone pole. Just gets up on the telephone pole. And he's, he gets to the, you know, the handles. You know, he gets there and he looks. He says, oh, yeah, second story would be really good up here. I'm like, dude, wow. Who's older than me? Just hustled right up the, right up the telephone pole. Comes down, we get in the air. We're going to get in the airplane to fly around the island to uh, see, to pray and to just felt like it was a spiritual journey to look at different strongholds and just pray over the island. I go to get in the airplane and I got stopped. It was like I got arrested by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I mean, I lost my peace for a second. I went, whoa, Jesus. And I, I, I asked, Lord, in fact, that marked me so much. I didn't know this until right now. That marked me so much that every plane I get on, every single plane I get on, I go, Lord, you want me on this one? It was that big an impact for me. At that moment, I felt, yeah, I can get on the plane. I went ahead and got on the plane. We flew around. It was awesome. Prayed, got off the plane, went home. A week later, I got a phone call that there had been an accident. And my friend had crashed. And he died. And uh, it hit the church some of you know about who I'm talking about. When I hit the church, it was just like, oh my goodness. It was such a heartbreak. And we wept. I remember where I was. I was driving with Pastor Earl Thurner on the eastern end of Molokai when I got the, got the phone call. And I knew that he had died and gone to heaven. And I just, we just wept and wept and cried. And in a moment with the Lord, I said later, I said, God, if you'd allow me, if you'd allow me to help this family, they had some children and Two boys, two girls. I got that right. I said, God, would you would you allow me? My friend's gone. He's got kids. Who's going to help them? I said, Lord, if you allow me. Lord, won't you allow me to step up and do something? God, if you give me the opportunity, I'll step in the gap and, and, and be a father and help somehow. Do you know years later, God's hand was on a young man 
And I'm weeping not because I'm sad. I'm weeping because I just can't get over how God does stuff. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about his plan. Young man, I remember seeing, singing with this voice that released the power of God of people being healed. Like every time he sings, that happens. I believe that. Now that young man is Pastor Alex Betzel, who's a part of my staff right now. And God in his infinite wisdom and blessing to us, to me, to my family, and to this house, put a yes in your spirit to come up here a number of years ago. And you know, I just love you, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling, really, and I, I don't know what the Lord has all for you, but I'm fulfilling a, a relationship commitment I had with somebody who's in heaven. I get to be in some, whatever measure of a spiritual father to him. That's his son. The guy I was talking about, my friend, that's his son right there, Pastor Alex. Some of you don't understand that you're afraid of relationships. You're afraid of, listen, God, it's relationships are his method. That's how he does it. You won't let people in. You don't, you're afraid. You keep yourself isolated, but you're actually ripping off the dream of God. Many years ago, Dan Morocco, and I'll close with this. I've gone long already. Dan Morocco was invited to come preach for a small little church in South Korea. Dan Morocco's Dr. Morocco's father, and he... He said yes. So he went and he held a week of revival there and God poured out his spirit in a great way and touched that little church in Korea. Flash forward many years later, the little church in Korea is the full gospel church. It's Uedo Fush Gospel Church, I think I mispronounced it. Dr. Yonggi Cho, you know who that is? Well, it's been some controversy and things that have happened, but it became the largest church in the world of well over a million people. So when now, years later, the cathedral on Maui is built. Dr. James Morocco, the son of Dan Morocco, is going to have a dedication of the building. Dr. Cho finds out about it and says, I would like to come if you'll have me. And Dr. Dr. Yongji Cho comes and dedicates the building. Why? He says, this is, this is what Dr. Cho said. I'm coming because of a debt that I owe your father. And he stands there and he dedicates that building. Listen, God will use relationships. You'll be at the right place at the right time, but not if you're flaky. Not if you don't get involved. Not if you don't serve. He has a dream. I have a dream. I have a dream, the Lord would say. I have a dream. A plan. Put your hands together for Jesus, won't you? All right, let me close for all you note takers. So God's speaking to us as a church. You gotta see what God is doing among us. He's doing amazing things. And you gotta embrace what God's doing. Plug in, be a part of it. Don't be flaky, don't be fearful. Get involved. And secondly, as not only as a church, but as an individual, be flexible and seek his face. Find times of prayer. And get excited about your future. Come on, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Get excited about your future. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet, won't you, all across this place. Father, we thank you for what you've done today. And Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. My wife's looking at me like, you didn't lead anybody to Jesus. All right. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <laughs> You're not right with God. Don't stay that way. Get right with him. If that's you. Won't you pray this right out loud? Say with me all across this place.
for those affirming your faith and those recommitting, those giving your lives to Jesus for the first time. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, for these now that you'd fill, touch each and every one. Whatever obstacle, Lord, is in the way of your dream being fulfilled in us, we will to will your will in our lives. We choose you. We say yes, as the choir sang the first part of the service. We say yes to your will, your plan, your dream. In Jesus' name, amen. Take someone by the hand. Let me remind you one thing. Uh, Saturday morning, next Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, we will have a gathering on our new church property, which is our new old church property, in the barn, having a prayer meeting and a revival service at 9 o'clock. If you can be there, it's historic. It is a moment that has got, I just felt like we just need to go put our feet on that thing. The heat is on, the electric is on. We got to do some more work. It'll be a little bit rough, but we're Alaskans, amen? Put your boots on. Let's get after it, all right? Tomorrow, Saturday, Saturday at 9 o'clock. Say it. Saturday at 9 o'clock on the property, right after the Dodge dealership right out there. You'll be there. It's going to be awesome. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll hope to see you tonight. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.